In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I would like to start our time together this morning with a little bit more confession. And no, I'm not going to ask you to confess your sins again. You already did that. And I promise I won't pull anyone forward to have you bear your souls before us. Uh, This morning, I feel as though I'm the one that needs to confess. What I want to confess is that for a long time, I have read uh, the passage that we just heard, that gospel reading from the book of Mark, uh, that I have heard it and approached it in all of the wrong ways. That story of, of the rich young man and and Jesus called to him to go and sell all you have and give it away and, and come and follow Jesus. I have heard that story throughout my life. And most of the time I've thought to myself, this is, this is one of those stories that's just not for me. <laughs> uh, as, even as I prepared the sermon, I thought to myself, well, maybe someone needs to hear this sermon. Maybe someone else needs to hear this sermon, but not me. And I had all sorts of excuses for why this particular passage, why this part of God's word did not apply to me. Uh, I told myself things like, well, uh, Jesus was talking, after all, to a particular person, not me, uh, who had a particular problem that I don't have, who lived in a particular place on the other side of the world in a particular time, a long, long, long time ago, and so most certainly Jesus is not telling me to go and sell all I have and come and follow him. This, this is not a passage for me. I, I told myself that, after all, I'm not very much like this man. Uh, I'm, I'm not rich like he was. Sure, I have more than most, and I live in America, but I'm a pastor, not a hedge fund manager, and, and I'm not like him in, in that I would like to think that I am generous. I, I, I kind of like giving, at, at least some of the time. I, I told myself how impractical it would be to follow these words of Jesus, right? Maybe, maybe 2,000 years ago, you could have gone and sold all, of you ha- all that you had and followed Jesus, but not today, right? There are are just certain things that I need. Uh, my car, I kind of like my car and, and I use it to serve the Lord. Why would he want me to give that away? And, and I thought to myself, my phone, I like my phone, but I kind of need it too. My wife likes that I have it and my mom likes that too. And, and so it would, it would just be too impractical to actually listen to these words of Jesus today. Um, I have to confess that I often approached this reading in all the wrong ways with lots of excuses and barriers and self-justifications. Uh, But what I think I realized this week is that uh, that's not a healthy way to approach God's word, is it? In fact, a much better way to come to God's word and and to what he says, even challenging passages like this one, is to instead maybe ask myself questions like, well, what is God saying to me today? (laughs) In light of those hard words and that hard call that he makes to that man, what is Jesus asking me to do? And and how am I like that man? I would like to think that I'm not, but, but how am I like him? And how have money and things and possessions gotten in the way of my relationship with Jesus? Not if, because we all live in 21st century America where materialism is rampant. So how have these things affected my relationship with the Lord? What is God asking me to give and sacrifice uh, and, and give away to those in need? Those are the questions I should have been asking myself. And, and so in light of, of all that, what I would like to do is to just quickly go through our story again and uh, for all of us to be thinking about some of those questions. What is God asking me to do? Uh, how am I like that man? How have money and things and possessions gotten in the way of my relationship with the Lord? What might he be asking me to do in light of what he says? And so I would like to tell you, again, a story that's often known as the story of the rich young ruler. 
Uh, but actually, where I want to start the story is in the, the verses just preceding the ones we heard today. Uh, they're the verses I think you should have heard last week in my absence, the story where Jesus welcomed in the little children. Is that what you heard last week? I, I thought so. Uh, that's where I would like to begin the story because that's where I, I think the story actually begins. Um, and if you can remember how that goes or if you weren't here, I'll fill you in. In that story, there were people, moms and dads presumably, bringing their little children to Jesus. And if you remember how it goes, the disciples were the ones who wanted to keep those little babies away. They thought that they were just wasting Jesus' time. They were kind of a nuisance, and so they wanted to free Jesus of this task. Uh, but Jesus was determined, and he, he wanted to welcome those children in, and he, he accepted them as they were. They had nothing to offer him, nothing that they could give back to him, but he accepted them as they were, and he held them in his strong and loving arms. And then he gave a lesson to his disciples, didn't he? And he said, unless you receive the kingdom of God like one of these little children, totally passively with empty hearts and hands, Unless you receive the kingdom of God like one of these, you will never enter it. And as soon as that lesson is over, and it seems as though just as soon as he has passed those little children back to mom and dad, he is approached by the rich young ruler in our reading for today, a man that couldn't have been more different than those little babies, right? This was a man, unlike those children, who, who seemingly had it all, whose, whose hands and hearts were full. This man, he checked all of the boxes uh, in a candidate for church membership. This man was eager, he was obedient, and he was a man of means, which never hurts. Uh, he's the type of guy who, if he walked in here today, uh, I think I'm pretty certain that we would get him signed up for something, right? Uh, elders, board of directors, something. He checked every box. He was eager. He, he comes to Jesus, and he falls on his hands and knees, and he asks him this eager, spiritual, deep question, what must I do to have eternal life? He's thinking about eternal things. Praise be to God. He's eager. He's obedient, when Jesus says, you, you ought to keep the commandments, honor your father and mother, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't defraud, he says, yeah, I've, I've done all that. I've, I've kept the rules. He's been obedient. And then, of course, we hear by the end that he is a man of some wealth. His pockets are full. He has money. This is a man who seemingly on the outside has everything. His life looks full, but Jesus, when he looks into his his eyes and into his heart, he sees that the man is missing something of extreme importance. Uh, he's lacking the one thing that actually matters, and that's himself, Jesus. That is, for all that this man had, all of the stuff that filled his life, all of the money, all of the possessions, all of the things uh, that filled his heart, all of those things had crowded Jesus out. There was no more room. And so what Jesus says to him is, is to get rid of those things. Empty yourself. Uh, come to Jesus like one of those little children so that Jesus might fill you with the things that really matter. Uh, but we know how the story ends, right? The man, uh, heartbreakingly, doesn't listen to Jesus' words. He goes and we, we're not exactly sure why. Maybe he's become accustomed to a certain way of living. Uh, maybe he thinks he deserves these things. He worked hard for them. After all, they're his, and no one's going to take them from him, not even this Jesus. But for whatever reason, he leaves Jesus, uh, rejects the offer, and walks away emptier than he ever was before. Now, uh, there will be some people who tell you, some theologians, some people, pastors, much wiser and smarter than I will ever be, who will say that this passage is not primarily a passage about money, but that it's actually a passage uh, where Jesus is addressing a heart issue, that this man had a problem with his spiritual heart, and that's what the passage is about. And I would agree with that. Jesus is addressing 
a heart problem. It's not primarily a passage about money, but I think it is obvious and unavoidable and undeniable that what Jesus is saying to this man and to us today is that money and possessions and things and stuff are an extreme danger to our hearts. Uh, Money and things and stuff are not some neutral thing, neither good or bad, but might as well collect as much of it while you can. They are not good like our world would tell us, right? Our world says money is good. Collect and collect and collect and get as much as you can. No, what Jesus says is that our dollar bills ought to come with one of those cigarette box warnings, right? Extreme caution, probably leading to death. Jesus wants us to know that, that our money and things can very easily, as we see with this man, get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. They are dangerous to the heart. And so, uh, because this is a heart issue today, each of us, for ourselves, needs to ask uh, each other or ourselves those, those tough questions. So, in, in light of the passage, what is Jesus saying to me? How have my money and my things and my possessions gotten in the way of my relationship with the Lord? How am I like that man? Uh, have I been putting my, my hope and my trust in my 401k or my retirement plan or the size of my bank account, thinking if I can just get them big enough, if I can just read a, reach a certain no- number, then everything will be okay? How have I put my joy not in the Lord, but in the temporary things of this world? Those are the hard questions that, that we need to ask ourselves in light of the passage today. Now, I don't know if any of you thought about this, uh, but you might realize by now that this is the perfect passage for a pastor to, to ask you to give money, right? Uh, I don't preach about money very often. In fact, as I was thinking about it uh, this week, thinking about this sermon, I thought to myself, I don't know that I've ever preached on money here. But uh, if there was ever a passage and ever a point in the sermon where uh, it was time to do that, I, I, I think we can all agree it would be now. And maybe some of you, you came in here today and you are quietly preparing your hearts to the Lord, listening uh, to the music as you came in and, and you were praying and you were going through the bulletin and you came to the gospel reading and you thought, oh no, pastor's going to ask for money today. <laughs> Uh, And I thought about all the ways that I could do that, um, and there are plenty of ways it's been done and that I've seen it done. I uh, have uh, heard pastors ask you to fill out some little pledge card and give you about 25 seconds to pray about it before you turn it into the ushers, and I thought I, I could do that. I thought I could show you some fancy graph up on the screen. There's one with steps that's popular, reminding us that if we each gave just like 5% more, that we would be overly and abundantly blessed here at Living Christ, and we would be able to serve the community better, and, and the gospel might continue to go out. I thought I could show you that. I, I thought I could pull the whole, I'm your pastor call card, and God called me to be here, to be an authoritative voice, so you better leave your wallet in the play today, because God told me to tell you that. Uh, I don't like to play that card too often. That's like breaking glass in case of emergency, and there's no going back from that. So I won't do that today. But I did think I could wag my finger at you and, and tell you that you better give. That, uh, I, I thought I could make you feel guilty by reminding you that your financial giving is a d- direct reflection of your spiritual maturity. And so if your giving is little and weak, uh, that reflects your, your spiritual heart. I, I thought I could guilt you into giving today. But then I decided I won't do any of that. <laughs> Uh, Besides, there is uh, one reason that is much more motivating and I think encouraging than any of that. And the truth is that Christians do not give because some fancy graph told them to or because they prayed about it for 25 seconds before scribbling down a number or because the pastor commanded them to or because they were guilted into it. And so instead of doing any of that today, I would just like to remind you rather of who you are. 
Uh, sometimes when I read the Bible uh, in stories like this today, uh, sometimes I, I try to picture myself as one of the characters. I don't know if you ever do that. I, I think about what life would be like for them and I listen to the words of Jesus and, and just try to put myself in their shoes. Um, but in, in today's reading, uh, if, if all the characters are there, the, the one character we most certainly are not is that rich young ruler. You are not him. I, I think if we are anyone in the story for today, we are one of those little children, one of those helpless little children, uh, a child who has nothing to offer God that he doesn't already had, uh, a child who can give God nothing of value that he couldn't create for himself. We have nothing to lay at Jesus' feet to brag or boast about, nothing that he would be impressed with. We are God's children. We are God's welcomed-in little children. And though the world might have rejected us, our friends and our family might have rejected us, Jesus welcomes us in and he holds us in his loving arms and he accepts us as we are. Despite our sin, despite where we've been, despite whatever we've done, we are those little children, those beloved little children who have a treasure that is unlike anything else that this world could ever give. Our lives are full, not because of the money that we bring to the Lord or because of our eagerness or our obedience. Our lives are full because of who our Father is. You, dear brothers and sisters, are God's child. Uh, This week, I went to the Lexington Nursing Home over here in Wheeling. Uh, We go once a month. Usually, Becky and Jojo go with me, uh, but because she was out of town, George and Arlene came this time. And we, we go to Lexington just to lead, lead a very brief devotion time. We uh, sing some songs and do a devotion. And then what I usually like to do is to end our time by giving each of the residents that come a, a personal blessing, uh, the same blessing that I share with all of you at the end of our service when I say the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Uh, that's the blessing I leave with them. And I had just about finished that up. I had made my way around the table and shared all those blessings. Uh, but there was one man uh, over off to the side, and I didn't know why he was there or what was going on. So I made my way over, and I introduced myself. I asked him his name. Uh, he struggled to say it, but he said his name was Max. And I said, Max, would you like a blessing? I'm giving out blessings, no charge, uh, totally free today. Your lucky day, would you like to receive a blessing from the Lord? And he nodded his head yes. And, and so I gave him the blessing. Uh, when, when I had finished, I noticed that he was tearing up. He was uh, starting to cry, uh, which, of course, made me cry. <laughs> and uh, then I'm kind of stumbling, and I don't know what to say. My, my mind is, is going through a, a million questions, and and so I just start saying things, and I, I, at one point I say, you know, Max, God loves you. He really, really loves you. And he looked at me, uh, and he asked me one of the more heartbreaking things I've ever been asked as a pastor. He said uh, simply, but why? But why? Uh, it was a heartbreaking question, and yet I thought, uh, one that, that is very easily asked, uh, but why? Why would God love someone like him? What could he give to the Lord. He didn't seem to have a whole lot of obedience or eagerness or money to give back to Jesus. There was nothing that he felt like he could add to the Lord, no gifts that he he could give that God can be impressed with. There's nothing that he could do to balance the eternal scales after all that God had done for him and sending his own son for him. Why would God love someone like him sitting alone in a nursing home off to the side, very easily forgotten? But why, he said. 
Uh, Praise be to God that this was our reading for this week, because otherwise I don't know that I would have had an answer on the tip of my tongue, Uh, but praise be to God, I did. And so I told him what I had heard. I said, you know, Max, God loves you because you're his child. You are his beloved child, and he loves you more than you could ever imagine, and he has filled you more than you could have ever dreamed. You are God's child, his beloved child beloved child. And brothers and sisters, I will remind you of the same thing in case you've forgotten. You are God's child, not because you came to him with with full hearts and full hands, with so much to give. No, you are God's child, his empty-handed child that he has filled to overflowing. Once again, you are God's beloved child, his beautiful son or daughter. In Jesus' name, amen.